Hello and welcome to Channel 17's Town Meeting Television and another in our 2019 Live Candidate Forums. On today's show, City Council candidates for our Central District. I'm pleased to be sharing the stage tonight with incumbent uh, uh, Jane Nodell running as an independent. We have Democrat Jared Carter and also progressive Perry Freeman. I wanted to make sure I got that right. Pleasure to uh, share the stage with each of you. Thank you for your willingness to serve our great city and for your continued service. Our forum begins with 60-second opening uh, candidate statements, followed by a round-robin question and answer uh, forum. This is an opportunity for you, our viewers, to dial in and ask questions of our candidates themselves. That number is 862-3966. And now on to our opening statements from our candidates. Ladies first, Jane Nodell will begin with you. Thank you very much, Matt, and thanks to Channel 17 for hosting the forum. Good to see you guys. We're fresh off of last night's NPA, so we're, we're all warmed up. So I'm running uh, because I'm really not done fighting for the issues that I believe in, and I believe I um, have qualifications for this position based on my 20 years of service as a city councilor uh, since 1993. Um, if I'm re-elected, that my top three priorities will be first, continuing to build the third sector social housing model of housing, which provides permanently affordable housing to people on very low and moderate incomes. That's an essential uh, for if our future, future city is going to be really inclusive. Secondly, securing the future of community organizations that serve our seniors, our new Americans, and our families and youth. And finally, to find alternatives to the property tax so that we can maintain a high level of public services without pricing low and moderate people out of the city of Burlington. Very good. Uh, Perry Freeman, uh, your opening statement, please. Sure. Um, yeah, thank you all again. Um, folks for being here tonight and thanks to folks tuning in. Uh, my name is Perry Freeman. I'm running as the progressive candidate and you know I'm running because I um, believe strongly in the values of equity, of fairness, um, and that everyone uh, deserves a seat at the table. Um, and the reality is that we have um, what's really a rigged economy. Um, we are in the midst of unfortunately a global uh, climate crisis and um, we have a government that's not really fair or representing the people and their needs. So um, as a city councilor, I would like to bring urgency and priority to uh, climate action, to um, fair wages and uh, fair housing, and to um, what would be you know, an open, um, transparent democracy um, that really um, acknowledges public process and public input. So um, you know, I'm excited to be here tonight and um, to really hear from folks what their needs are and how you know, I can ensure that their voices and the voices of all our neighbors um, are represented and heard in City Hall. Very good. Jared Carter, your 60-second open statement, please. Great. Thanks, uh, Matt, and thanks to both of you for being here. I'm glad you're feeling fresh. It was a late night yeah. for me. Uh, but I am glad to be here and, and, and have the opportunity to, to share the stage and chat with, with folks. Uh, my name is Jared Carter, uh, and uh, I'm running, uh, obviously, for Central District as a Democrat. Uh, I'm the father of two young children. In fact, I left uh, movie night at Sustainability Academy uh, they were watching Hotel Transylvania 3 uh, and, and came down here for this. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I'm running because Burlington needs to lead. Uh, and I think we've lost some bounce in our step in recent years. Uh, and my basic platform is actually quite simple. It's this idea that Burlington leads, 
when we do two important things. Number one, we invest in people. Not out-of-state corporations, not development projects that are too big to fail. And number two, that we protect public assets and public spaces. We've invested too much in Burlington Telecom and our downtown to give up those public assets. The democratic control that comes with them, uh, we simply cannot afford to sell those off to the highest bidder. And that's very important to me and I think very important to the future of this great city. Very good. It's time now to uh, go to our uh, round-robin question and answer period. We've got uh, phone tree lit up. We'll try to get to all our uh, callers' questions. We'll go right now. Caller, you're uh, live on the air with uh, Central District uh, City Council candidates. Do you have a question for our candidates? Hi. My question is about policing. Do you support community policing and foot patrols in the old North End? Very good. Uh, Perry Freeman, we'll uh, begin with you with that question. Sure. So, yeah, I... Uh Policing and unfair policing and police brutality is a huge issue. Uh, I have um, heard about the concept of, of community policing and, um, you know, wanted to do some research into it uh, to really understand whether that would be um, something that would benefit folks, especially, um, you know, people who are typ typically marginalized or um, targeted by unfair policing, so folks who are experiencing maybe homelessness or mental health issues, um, people of color. Um, and what I've read and really understood is that um, it, it doesn't really reduce um, unfair policing, you know, practices. And so, um, you know, as a, a frontline strategy, um, I don't, I don't think it is an ideal strategy. Um, and and potentially as well, um, foot patrol is not an ideal uh, strategy. So something that I've been interested in is the uh, citizen oversight review board. Um, I know that there's been some momentum. Um, in the city um, to bring that um, as a strategy to deal with um, unfair policing uh, practices. And I think that um, that sort of lost momentum. And as, as a city councilor, I would really like to revisit that and bring um, urgency to that um, to that as a, as a solution. 60-second uh, response, uh, Jared Carter, about uh, community policing, foot patrols, et cetera, in the old North End. Absolutely. We need more foot patrols. We need more community policing. Uh, I greatly appreciate when law enforcement comes by in the summer, knocks on my door, and leaves a flyer uh, or introduces themselves to me. I think that's, that's just critical. I think historically that's uh, what policing has been. Uh, I am very concerned, though, when I see us moving towards uh, a police force that uh, uh, often looks more like a, a, a paramilitary force uh, and, and so the, the community piece, being at the, at the door, knocking on the door, meeting people, I think that's, that's critical. Uh, police have a hard job to do. That being said, uh, I don't think there's anybody at this table that's uh, worked as hard uh, to make sure that law enforcement is an accountable, uh, as a civil rights attorney, as a constitutional rights attorney, I've dedicated my uh, life to that. Um, and so I think that's equally as important. Okay. Uh, Jane O'Dell, your thoughts on community policing in the old North End and foot patrol? Yes, thanks, Matt. Picking up on Jared, I think there's no one at the table who has worked as hard as I have to get community policing and foot patrols in the old North End. Um, the summer that Chief Del Pozo came to Burlington, we had um, something very close to a drive-by shooting on North Street, and innocent bystanders were almost caught up in that violence. Um, I organized with Councillor Moore a large community meeting at Sustainability Academy where we, we, we told the chief 
there are many, many people in the room, very diverse room, that this is not okay, that we want to take North Street back for the whole community, and it was not a safe, and not a safe space. And after that, the city did significantly, it cost money. We had to increase funding for the police, um, but what I hear from constituents is they are very happy to see the foot patrols to form relationships with the police. The police are also exploring alternatives to force. Uh, and I, I, uh, I think that they would want everyone to understand that, that they use C-Force as, as a last resort option. Okay. Uh, we're going to move right on. Uh, the phone tree is lighting up. Caller, you're live on the air with East District, or rather Central District candidate. Do you have a, a question for them? Caller? We'll move right on to our next caller here. Caller, you're live on the air with uh, candidates from the Central District. Do you have a question for our candidates? Caller? Well, uh, we'll move on to our next one. If uh, you happen to be disconnected, uh, please dial back and we'll try to get to your question. Caller, you're live on the air here with uh, candidates from the Central District for City Council. What's your question? Hello? Hi. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you have a question for your city council? Yeah, um, I'd like to ask a question for all the candidates about their understanding on the, of the municipal tax rate. Um, what is the municipal tax rate and how in your understanding does this impact people's lives? Okay. Um, municipal tax rate. Uh, Jared, that begins with you. Yeah, well, I think the municipal tax rate obviously has a huge impact on, on people's lives. I think particularly the working people, uh, the young people that are trying to make a go of it in the old North End, the new American families uh, that I see uh, moving in and really making the, the community vibrant. Um, and so I think we, we do need to look for alternatives uh, to uh, increasing the municipal tax rate. Uh, and I think one of the places that we can look uh, is to those uh, community members among us who can afford to pay a bit more. I think we can look at uh, ways to uh, 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 increase taxes on, on luxury items, uh, luxury cars perhaps, some services. I'm a lawyer. I know lawyers charge a lot of money. Uh, I think there's, there's, uh, there's ways we could tax that service. And I think that would impact uh, only the highest earners and the, the, those that are most able to pay. And I think we could, we could deal with the, uh, the increasing uh, uh, municipal tax rate that way. And, it would, and that would, in turn, I think, really help those among us who are the working people, the young people, the new Americans who we really need to be investing in. So I'm, I'm just going to ask a follow-up question on that. Mm -hmm. Do you then support the general city tax rate increase uh, that will be on the uh, Burlington city ballot? No, I don't. I don't think that's, uh, that's a, a, a wise approach for us to take. As I, think, as I said, I think when we bring people together as a community, there's no problem we can't solve. Uh, I think that's the common creed. And so my, uh, my advice would be to look elsewhere uh, for those funds. Obviously, we need to fund vital city services, but I think we can be creative. I think we can find ways uh, to, to not impact the working people, the elderly, the young folks that are trying to make a go of it, despite the fact that they're drowning under student loan debt. Uh, Jay Nodell, your thoughts on the uh, Burlington uh, City uh, tax rate? And yes, so the question was, what is the tax rate? Right. And the, the overall municipal tax rate is 83.5 cents per $100 of assessed value. Within that, that tax is broken down into different component parts. The question, too, relates to the general city tax rate versus dedicated taxes for streets, police and fire, and so forth. That tax is 25.6 cents, 
and the question on the ballot would increase the maximum that tax by 1.25 cents, um, which is a very small percentage increase. I'm on the Board of Finance. In early January, we saw a budget gap that would have required a five cent tax increase. Um, and I was one of the voices that, you know, call, said that we need to bring that tax rate down. Um, we need a much smaller tax, and we found creative ways to get the tax rate down. I couldn't, I'm supporting this because I couldn't identify anything I was prepared to cut in order to eliminate any tax rate increase at all. However, we are committed, the Board of Finance is committed, um, and I hope I'll be there to help work on this, um, that if we don't need all of the 1.25 cent additional taxing authority, we won't use it. So we're going to keep working. Uh, Perry Freeman, your thoughts mm -hmm. then on the, the city uh, tax rate and the ballot item, et cetera, as the caller initiated. Yeah, um, so I do support the ballot item. Uh, frankly, I, we are just overdue um, to have an increase. It's uh, been quite a while. So um, these are this increase um, allows us to have um, a sort of a general level of revenue to when we do have um, these larger capital expenditures. It's it's a smart governance practice overall. Um, unfortunately, across the board, um, uh, you know, taxes in general, um, and I think. Um, you know, some other folks have, have mentioned this, but um, do um, overly burden middle and lower income folks. And I think um, as a progressive and as someone who wants to support working and low income folks, we do have to find ways um, to not um, create taxes that are unfair, that are regressive, um, and um, yeah, ultimately place more of a burden on folks who are already trying to make ends, or struggling to make ends meet. Um, and so as um, someone who would be building out policy, that would be uh, the lens that I would bring. Very good. Uh, we're moving right on to another question from our uh, 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 viewing audience. Caller, you're live on the air with uh, city council candidates for the uh, East District or Central District. I don't know why I keep saying East, I apologize. <laughs> Central District. <laughs> Do you have a question for our candidates? Hello, I've proposed this question in the past and I'll propose it again. Recent news broke that a city council candidate has a history of tweeting sexist and violent comments about women. This candidate has not pulled out of the race and the organization Rights and Democracy and the Progressive Party have not pulled their endorsement. Perry, you've received the endorsement of both of these groups as well. What do each of you think about the situation? Perry, I'd like to hear from you first. Thank you very much. Okay. The question was uh, regarding Mohammed Jafar's uh, tweets that uh, were of misogynistic mm -hmm. nature in general. Again, just to the caller's question, Mohammed has uh, addressed those comments specifically on uh, his uh, city council race. You are encouraged to go back to the South District race and watch his individual response. But your response to the question, Perry? Uh, from Mohammed Jafar, the yeah, his racist tweets. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I want to echo what tweets. I've pretty much already um, said in public comment in VT Digger, which is that um, this is immediately a reminder that we need to have, um, you know, in Vermont, we don't have mandatory um, affirmative consent laws and we don't have uh, mandatory consensual uh, sex. Uh, uh, education and uh, sexual health education in our schools. And so this is an immediate reminder that that policy needs to be on the forefront, um, either right here in Burlington or across the state. Um, you know, I, I think with that said, um, there, you know, I made a comment that I am also concerned that we do hold um, men of color to a different standard than we hold white men um, in this community 
um, and that when it comes to misogyny, and and that is a concern that I that I really feel strongly about. With you know, regardless, the tweets are incredibly misogynistic. Um, violence and promoting violence against women can absolutely not be tolerated. Um, it is never okay. Um, I've I've seen this um, impact my life. Um, you know, misogyny impacts my life personally, and I would say you know every every single um, sort of person in my life um, as well. So um, that's. In terms of rights and democracy in the Progressive Party, um, my understanding is that those groups have not actually met because those are, you know, they have their steering committees and they have their, um, you know, rights and democracy, for example, is member-led, volunteer-led. So um, those groups need to meet to make their decisions, and I'm I'm not part of those that decision. So um, I'll wait to see what um, they decide. Uh, Jane Nodell will uh, bring the question to you regarding uh, Mohammed Jafar's tweets and uh, the impact. Yes, I mean, I've, I'm I'm happy that that Mr. Jafar has, you know, taken personal responsibility. Um, I think that's that's essential. We, yes, there is, of course, institutionalized sexism, institutionalized tolerance of, of violence of, of all kinds. Um, but that said, I mean, it's still something that one needs to take personal responsibility for, and and he and he, he has, and I'm sure he will learn from this experience moving forward. Um, I don't really have much to add other than okay. that. Uh, Jared Carter, your thoughts on uh, the comments from the caller regarding the tweets of yeah. Mohammed Jafar? Yeah, I, I think we're not going to solve this problem uh, <laughs> if we don't call a spade a spade. Uh, and what I mean by that is while certainly we all have made, or I wouldn't speak for the two of you, but I certainly made mistakes when I was younger and said things and did things I probably shouldn't have said or done. Uh, and I would never ask somebody to step out of the race. Uh, I also don't think uh, Rad and the Progressive Party's decisions to, to continue to endorse him uh, need to need to continue, or, or quite frankly, are a reflection of what I believe their values to be. Uh, again, if we're going to deal with this, we have to call a spade a spade. That doesn't mean the voters can't decide, but I don't think these uh, organizations have long histories of what I believe to be supporting uh, uh, anti-misogynistic views and, and certainly supporting women's rights in the community need to continue to endorse them. And I'm quite surprised that they've simply circled the wagons. Uh, we'll move right on. Another question here. We have a uh, uh, viewer dialing in with a question uh, for our central district candidates to city council. Uh, viewer, what is your question, please? Hi, my question is for each of the candidates. I'd like to know what your record is on community service. I'd love to hear about the different ways that each of you has supported the people of Central District that you are hoping to represent. Okay. Uh, the question was one of community service and how have you, prior to your candidacy, served uh, your community? And Jared, we'll start with you. Yeah, I have a long history of community service, uh, both as a lawyer and, a, and an advocate. Uh, I've uh, represented clients almost primarily pro bono in this community in important civil rights cases, challenging the uh, what I believe to be the unconstitutional Church Street No Trespass Ordinance. Uh, I work right now with the ACLU of Vermont representing uh, several homeless clients who have been, uh, had all of their, their, their private property, their tents, their bicycles confiscated uh, when they've had their tents torn down uh, by the city and the city's policies that city council has adopted. 
uh, I've fought for small businesses. I've done pro bono work for immigration uh, uh, clients. And I, I spend time working uh, with, with legal clinics in the community. Uh, again, all pro bono. So I have a long history of, of supporting these things. And I think it's made me uh, well aware of the importance of constitutional rights, the importance of civil rights uh, in lifting all of us up. Uh, Jay Nodell, um, your uh, thoughts on serving the community outside of city council? Well, most of my community service is through my work, has been through my work as a city councilor. Um, and so I, wa I want to talk about that. I could, there's a lot of other stuff, but I want to focus on um, what I really see as the, as the job of a city councilor is to, is to work as a city councilor to improve the lives of his or her constituents, especially people um, that are that are underrepresented, that are marginalized, and that are vulnerable. So I want to mention just three things very quickly since the last my last reelection. Um, I've been very active with the Janet S. Munt Family Room, which was at the threat of um, after it was spun off from the VNA, had to go it alone. I was on the board. I was a, I think a very effective advocate for them within City Hall. Seniors. I'm heading a senior center study committee to keep the Heidelberg Senior Center open and to sustain and enhance senior services and programming for our aging population so that people can age in place and have a vital and engaged life as they age. And finally, dumpsters. Dumpster days. I'm going to call myself the dumpster day queen. Okay. <laughs> um, so I got some funding. We have the city paying for dumpsters. And people in the neighborhood come and they get rid of the couch that's been sitting in their backyard forever. They recycle items, they can deal with hazard materials and kind of re reuse household goods that others no, no, matter, no, 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 matter, no longer want to have. So family room, seniors, and dumpsters. Very good. Uh, Perry Freeman, uh, your work in the community. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of my uh, biggest joys of uh, the work I've done here um, in Vermont and in Burlington and in the in the neighborhood specifically is just all the community organizing that I've done, um, knocking on thousands of doors and having long conversations with, um, you know, countless residents um, and really understanding um, the issues that are facing, you know, they're facing every day. And so um, beyond that, you know, I've um, you know, been part of the neighborhood planning assembly um, for wards two and three steering committee. Um, that's been a, a, a just awesome to be a part of, and um, have also worked with a lot of volunteer organizations throughout the neighborhood. You know, including the uh, you know Rights and Democracy, the, the Vermont Workers Center, um, the Food Shelf, and um, beyond that. Um, I've worked on a lot of ballot initiatives that I think the, the neighborhood strongly supported, like the F-35 ballot initiative, Keep the Park Green. Um, you know, I worked on a, the luxury tax ballot item that would have brought um, additional revenue to the housing fund. And I think these are all um, things that um, directly benefit the, the sort of the needs and the priorities of the neighborhood. And I continue to look forward to, you know, that kind of work. Wonderful. Uh, we're going to actually touch a little bit on some of the topics that you just raised here. Um, and it has to do specifically with ballot questions. It's uh, in the news a lot lately. And Jane Nodell, we'll begin with you with this question. Do you believe that the city is handling the ballot questions appropriately? Or do you think all citizen advisory questions should automatically go on the ballot? So I think that the city can improve the way it's handled advisory ballot questions. Um, right now, residents who want to get a petition before the people 
start out working with the city attorney to try to find a question that is going to uh, pass muster. And unfortunately, what's happened is a question has proceeded beyond that phase of legal review, strictly legal review. And then much later in the process, some concerns get raised that are often legitimate concerns about a lack of clarity um, about the way that the question is worded. So I think that we need a much better process for working with petitioner groups to come to an agreement on what is going to be a good question, a well-framed question, very early on in the process. Um, I think that that will, if we make that change, I think a lot of the hiccups that we've had uh, with the F-35 ballot question and also with the keep the park green question um, would, would, not have, would not have taken place. But I, I would still go to keep the city council in the role of actually taking the action to put it on the, on the ballot. Uh, Perry Freeman, your response to the city ballot questions. Do you think the city council is handling the process appropriately? Should all advisory questions automatically go on the ballot? What's your uh, feelings on this? Yeah, so I think um, I've been frustrated with the way that uh, city council has um, dealt with a lot of you know, publicly and citizen-led ballot initiatives. Um, these are really just advisory ballot items. They are non-binding. Um, and to me, that's really um, a good opportunity for a temperature check, so to speak. Um, and um, I would have really liked to have seen the Keep the Park Green make it onto the ballot. I was glad that the F-35 ballot item made it um, onto the ballot, but I've just been frustrated with um, the lack of the support that a lot of the council has shown for citizen-led initiatives. I think um, in terms of, um, and you know, with exceptions to things that would, are outrightly hateful um, or illegal, you know, of course those cannot be green-lighted, but um, you know, of course then also the attorney, the city attorney, that's part of that process. I think in terms of the clarity in the wording, um, I agree that there could be some sort of independent way to audit um, whether those, um, the wording of it is um, misleading or um, to make sure that it's clear. Unfortunately, I feel like we also have um, ballot items that come from the council that are also um, can be very confusing. And I've, I felt like this about um, ballot item number four, which is a city charter um, change to the downtown improvement district. Um, so if we're um, requiring uh, citizen-led ballot initiatives to be um, have a standard of clarity in their wording, then I think we need to also consider, you know, that for um, things coming from the council, out ballot items coming from the council itself. Good point, uh, Jared Carter. Your thoughts on uh, the ballot uh, questioning, and is the city council uh, handling the process? Do you think to its best ability, or do you think every advisory question that you know generates 3,300 signatures should automatically go on the ballot? If the city attorney has signed off on the language, absolutely it should go on the ballot. Our democratic institutions are under attack at the national level, we all recognize that. And we can't at the city level, at the local level where democracy is so important, forget that point. The answer to pushing back against uh, anti-democratic uh, notions at the top is not less democracy, it's more democracy. And, and, and my second point here as to why I think absolutely uh, ballot questions, if they've cleared the city attorney's uh, 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 check, should be on the ballot is because they are only advisory. So the, the city council has no reason to stop them from going on. They're, they're, they're just 
guideposts. They can change them afterwards. And so I, I don't think it's anything but a power grab by city council uh, that, that is a, is a real, does real damage to our democratic institutions and demoralizes the citizens. We want more engaged citizens, not less engaged citizens. So I 100% support changing that process so that, uh, so that uh, these can be uh, placed on the ballot if they meet the requirements. And then finally, uh, if, if, a, if a particular ballot measure is, uh, you know, has some sort of legal infirmity and it still is passed, that's what the courts are for. If it's unconstitutional, it's struck down. Uh, so there's absolutely no excuse for not allowing uh, questions to be put on the ballot that have met all of the requirements. Okay. Uh, we're going to move on here. I apologize. We're going to move on. Um, I'll try to fit, fit it in. Okay. In a sense, there. maybe this question uh, <laughs> sort of addresses it. Uh, this district uh, encompasses an area that a mural is uh, on. It's on a wall in this district, and it has uh, experienced defacement. And the people who have defaced it, or the group that has defaced it, or is behind it, it, it says that it is a racist mural. And my question to you is, is the mural racist? And do you believe the city council has handled the controversy appropriately? Perry Freeman. Oh, me first. You first. Cool. Um, yes, the city mural, the mural, the downtown mural is incredibly racist. Uh, it's uh, hard to encompass all the aspects of it that are uh, problematic. Uh, to name a few, it just starts at the point of colonization. Uh, it has a completely uh, whitewashed uh, version of, um, it's called Everybody Loves a Parade. It's supposed to be this 400 years of Vermont history, and it's an incredibly whitewashed uh, lens of, of Vermont history. So um, yes, it is racist um, and very problematic. I know that the city council has not unfortunately handled it well. I believe there were only, um, there were only three city councilors that voted to remove it um, immediately and um, that was incredibly disappointing. The conversations around that um, were incredibly disappointing. The lack of clarity that a lot of the counselors brought to this conversation in terms of the impact that having um, a racist mural like that right in our downtown, um, it's incredibly, it, to, to think that that's being used as an educational tool um, and that we're, that we're teaching erasure and racism and white supremacy is just, it's not acceptable for a community like this, especially um, a community, you know, we have at least, I think, 30% of um, Burlington High School are students of color. This is just completely unacceptable. So, um, yeah, and I worked to um, just, yeah, with Councillor Dang to bring that, um, remove the mural. Uh, Jared, is the mural racist? And did the council handle the controversy appropriately? Uh, yes, the mural is racist. And no, city council didn't handle it properly. Uh, I certainly would have voted to take it down uh, immediately. Um, but I also think there's a missed opportunity here, uh, and I think some are taking advantage of it. I think we have uh, on our hands a real teachable moment. I'm a teacher by training, uh, and, and I think we have an opportunity to educate uh, in fact, a, a, as a result, and I would I would say uh, bring our students down to see this mural and, and talk about uh, the things that Perry was pointing out. Bring our public school students down. Bring the university students down, uh, so that we can see what exactly the problem is with this, and, and let's make uh, 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 let's make this a teachable moment, so we can learn from it uh, and improve. It should come down, but while it's up, let's let's use it to show uh, what 
what a, a racist uh, past uh, is and, and why, why it's important that we, we move forward on these issues. Jane O'Dell, the uh, everybody loves a parade mural. Yeah. Is it racist? Yeah, I think it is racist. It misrepresents um, our history and, and the impact of capitalist expansion on Native Americans and on in, enslaved peoples of color. Um, I want to make, think everyone needs to understand that there was never a question before the council, should the mural be removed immediately? There was no vote on that question. At the end of that, the day, we, were, we had a resolution that, had a re, a, that said that we, our goal is to remove the mural by 2022. Two. There had been an amendment to remove that clause. That amendment failed. I voted against that amendment because I thought we, it was better to have a, day, a specific date by which it would be removed versus a resolution that was altogether silent on removal, much less on a date of removal. So just to be clear, there was never a vote about whether or not it should be removed immediately. Okay. That might have been implicit in some people's minds, but we don't vote on what's in people's minds. Okay. We vote on what's on the paper. So Perry has a follow-up, but I'm going to actually ask it in a follow-up question myself here. So what should happen to the mural after 2022 when it comes down? Perry Freeman. Oh, well, I'm... <laughs> I don't know if I well, uh, can bring your question into yeah, your so answer. I, it did, yes. But the Councillor Pine and Councillor Dang and Councillor Tracy, I believe, voted um, because creating the day of, I understand 2022 um, would mean that it would not come down sooner. And I think that that is, um, that strategy makes sense and that's how I um, would have voted. I, um, based on my understanding of the Vera laws, it can't actually, unless the uh, artist, which I don't think he will allow for it to be completely removed, it just has to be um, uh, not, it can't be taken down, it has to be put somewhere else. Mm. Um, and so I think to the point of public education, I think and some there were um, aspects of creating public education and placards around the problems with the mural. Um, when it is um, moved, um, that needs to be part of um, its, its new placement is um, education around um, uh, its problems. Uh, Jared, you've uh, intimated a little bit about it, but I mean, what should happen to the mural oh. after it's scheduled to come down? Yeah, well, uh, First of all, I would just say, if I had been, would have been on city council, I would have, would have proposed a resolution to take it down immediately. So if that wasn't before the council, had I been on council, I would have made that resolution. Um, but, but absolutely, it's there, uh, and uh, we need to take advantage of it. And I know that, that maybe sounds odd, but uh, you know, I, and I've talked to school teachers at Sustainability Academy, where my student is, it, it, my son is a student, uh, about bringing students down to educate them about our past about this history so they can see with their own eyes what's wrong with that mural that's what we should be doing as long as it's up and I think we should we should let's put up a new painting uh, arts a wonderful thing Church Street Marketplace which should stay in the public domain uh, should be covered with art so let's put up a new mural uh, that really reflects our, 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 our history uh, Jane um, what yep. should happen to the mural I need to get back down. into the voting I just wanted to say that um, I very much respect the positions of Councillor Jang 
Tracy and Pine. And if I had to do over again, I would have asked for a recess because I think that um, I wasn't quite understanding the thinking of my colleagues in, in the way that they voted. And I think that I'm fundamentally aligned with them. I'm not sure there's all that much disagreement on the council. The, the mural could be relocated before 2022, okay? Um, and I think that we should work to relocate it before 2022. As Perry pointed out, you have to find a place to do it. Mm. So I think the thinking is, let's go find a place, and if we can find a place, we should commit ourselves to removing it earlier than 2022. Um, one last thing is that we had a bad process that night in the sense of the, the lead sponsor of the resolution, Councillor Shannon, um, substituted a new version of the resolution at like three o'clock the day of the meeting. So it's one of those things, let's go back, this, you know, kind of things never work well when there are a lot of changes at the end. The public can't see what you're doing. You know, so we had, there are some, the process was, 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 was not great. Okay. Uh, we're going to move on here to a question that is uh, of great importance to us here at uh, Channel 17 and Public Access. Uh, in July, the Federal Communications uh, Committee, Corporation, FCC, is uh, considering uh, doing away with uh, the rule that requires viewers, cable viewers, to pay $3, a cable access fee, which funds public access channels around the state. And if that law is uh, scheduled to go away, potentially 100 people in the state of Vermont could lose their jobs, those here at this station, in, in fact. Our question is, where is the funding for public access? Do you have ideas? Where should we be looking for future funding? And we'll begin with you, Jared Carter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the first thing I think that anybody that believes in, in public access television should know is uh, uh, under the rulemaking processes that the FCC and other agencies go through, uh, there should be an opportunity for public comment. So all of us, and I think the city, and maybe the city could take a leadership role in doing this, uh, educating citizens about the opportunity for public comment uh, so that the FCC does not do this. Uh, we should engage. Uh, if indeed the FCC moves forward uh, and, and, and cuts funding, then I think we as a city uh, come together, city council and the administration, and use our bully pulpit to, to first lobby our, uh, our congressional delegation uh, to push back, uh, and our, our uh, state house representation uh, in Montpelier to, 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 to find funding. And, and then we do whatever we can as a community uh, to supplement that uh, at the city level. But there's no doubt in my mind that we need to come up with funding. We will come up with funding. But citizens should know they can get involved in the public comment process as this moves along. Uh, Jay Nodell, the future of funding for public access uh, channels. Is it a city responsibility, a state, a combination? Where's the funding going to come from? That's a great, that's a great question, Matt. Um, I've been on the board of CCTV, so I'm fairly familiar with the direct impact of the um, declining cable revenues and the, the change in the rule. Um, in the short term, uh, we need, I think we, we need municipalities to step up. Um, and as a member of the Board of Finance, I've, I've brought this uh, forward and they're asking for all communities to double what they're currently providing, um, which is still, I think, very, very affordable and very modest in relationship to the tremendous benefit that this provides. When you think about the fact that the Burlington Free Press no longer reports on the city council. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got, there is virtually no way for a citizen to really find out on a Tuesday what the city council did last night. 
Um, now, there's probably more things that the, that the city and the council can do and should be doing just to get that information out. But my point is that the value of public access is all the greater in light of the, the kind of the withdrawal of our daily newspaper from any apparent interest in city government. And they used to be the, the go-to place um, for informed, independent, critical coverage, fair and critical coverage. Lost that. Uh, Perry Freeman, your thoughts on public access funding, permanent funding, where do you think it should come from? Uh, yeah, so I would, you know, I agree with uh, Jared's statement about, um, you know, being able to continue to lobby, uh, you know, on the congressional level, on the state level, and um, beyond that, you know, also echoing, it is an invaluable um, asset. So, um, you know, if municipalities need to double down, then yes, uh, I agree with that. And, you know, if this means an expanded um, line item in the city budget, then I agree with that as well. Um, it's, it is an invaluable uh, asset and we need to, we just need to support it and, and make ends meet. Well, it's time now for our closing statements from our candidates. We have about five minutes left, so you're welcome to take about uh, a minute apiece with your closing statements about why you're running for city council. Jane O'Dell, we'll begin with you. Okay. Um, I am a proven, collaborative, knowledgeable leader in, in Burlington city government. And um, if, if you support me, I, I hope to go back and continue to support all the great work that so many citizen entre entrepreneurs are doing in the Old North End. Um, the key, a big role of a city councilor is to help support initiatives that come up from all the engaged citizens of Burlington. Things like the Old North End Arts Center, the Old North End Arts and Business Network, the Ramble, helping and nurturing diverse seniors, Very Merry Theater, the PTOs of our two fabulous magnet schools in Burlington, in Burlington's Old North End, big heavy world, all the small businesses that are coming in. Um, I think that, you know, my pitch would be that, that with my knowledge and experience, I can really kind of manipulate the livers, go and access the resources to help all this great work succeed. Um, and it's been an honor to serve, and I've, I've appreciated the, the great dialogue with Jared and Perry. Perry, we'll uh, ask you for your uh, closing statement. Yeah, I, thank you for um, this tonight, uh, and thank you both. This is been wonderful. Uh, yeah, so again, you know, I would like to bring urgency as a city councilor to climate, you know, one climate action to fair wages and uh, fair working conditions and to um, an open and, and, and transparent democracy. And, you know, in terms of um, just to reiterate climate action, you know, we need to weatherize buildings, we need to um, revolutionize our transportation sector, we need to, um, in terms of fair wages, um, expand, uh, you know, our uh, the livable wage ordinance to all public and uh, private sector workers and um, continue to support local unions. We need to, um, in terms of a fair and transparent democracy, I'd like to see us strengthening our NPAs and um, increase um, their ability to allocate funding. I'd like to, um, as we talked about tonight, support citizen-led ballot initiatives um, and an overall kind of increase city, uh, city hall's outreach right in, into neighborhoods. Um, and, you know, I, I overall want to bring my skills as a, as a community organizer um, and as a progressive to bring um, these issues to the forefront and um, really um, create City Hall as a, as a two-way street to um, hear what uh, 
residents and constituents in um, the Central District um, need and, um, you know, represent them in City Hall. And yeah, I, I look forward to just continuing the, the conversations um, that I've had with, with folks in the neighborhood and, and yeah, Very learning good. how to serve in this capacity. Uh, Jared Carter, your final uh, closing comments. Yeah, I appreciate being here uh, again for a second night in a row. Um, uh, I guess how I would, would, would close is I, I don't necessarily have a laundry list of things that, that I promise I'm going to do as a city councilor. Uh, I, I think that's, that's disingenuous, quite frankly. I think uh, uh, what's more important and what the people are really looking for is a vision. Uh, we might not agree at the end of the day on every single issue, but what I will say is my vision is one that gets Burlington its mojo back. I think we've lost our way in many respects, and the city council has been asleep at the wheel while we've, uh, we've lost places like Burlington College, Burlington Telecom. Uh, we're talking about privatizing or turning over management of the Church Street Marketplace. Uh, Moran, Memorial Auditorium, the list goes on and on, and it's time to say enough is enough. Let's get back to what made Burlington an exceptional city. Let's get back to investing in people, not holes in the ground, uh, not development projects that are too big to fail. Let's get back to protecting those public assets, those public spaces that are critical to our democracy. So again, we may not agree on every single issue, uh, but I do believe that we share the common creed, which says that if we come together as a community, as neighbors, there is nothing we can't accomplish together. And that's really what motivates me. That's why I'm here tonight, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk with everybody about that. Perry Freeman, Jared Carter, and Jane Nodell, thank you so much for joining us here this evening. It's a pleasure sharing the stage with you. I want to compliment you all for your courage, for being willing to go out and knock on doors, to be here tonight and face uh, the questions of your uh, colleagues, as well as the listener comments as well. We want to thank you very much for dialing in and being part of the conversation. A reminder that Election Day is Tuesday, March 5th, but you can request an early ballot at your town clerk. And join us Tuesday, March 5th for all election night coverage beginning at 7 p.m. right here on Channel 17. For all of us at Town Meeting Television, I'm Matt Kelly. Thank you for watching.